Hello, you're listening to Eve, Where Are You? A show designed to confront toxic practices against women in the church. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Davis, conflict coach and resolutionist. All right, we're at the close of Women's History Month. It is the last week in March, and we're going to end this month with one more story from this book before I divulge all and tell you exactly the name of the book, the author of the book, Um, because this is where I've gotten my information. I've also used this book in my dissertation um, to highlight women in history because I think it's really important. It's really important to know those who have come before you to who have set the groundwork and given us examples of what it looks like when it feels like or seems like you're the only one doing it. You're the only one thinking that way. You're the only one that has experienced whatever you're experiencing to know that there are many who have gone before you to make it just a little bit easier. And it also brings to to view the realization that we, too, must do our part to make it easier for those who come behind us. So for today's story, this is placed in the 17th century as well. And I'm going to do this story a little differently. I'm just going to read the beginning and I'm just going to read the ending um, because that's where most of the substance for what I want to talk about today will be found and how I want to end this month having you think on um, what it is that this woman endured. And I want to leave you with the thought of, will you go no matter what? You know, it's a question that you have to ponder. Will I go no matter what? No matter what they think about me, no matter what they call me, no matter what they say, will I still do it? And the only way you can be resolute in a decision like that is to know without a doubt that the Lord has sent you. And I'm hoping that with that confidence, that would be enough to have you to go in spite of whatever the resistance is trying to hold you back. So let's get started. The judges filed silently into the crowded meeting house on a chilly Tuesday in 1637 and sat knee to knee on wooden benches at the front of the hall. They were followed by eight somber black robed ministers who would serve as witnesses in the trial. The last judge to enter the hall, Massachusetts Bay Colony governor, sat primly in the cushioned chair before the benches and with a sharp rap of his gavel on the desk, he quieted the unruly crowd as he called the defendant forward. Dressed in a long black cloak, a white linen smock laid over her black dress, and her neatly plaited hair, the 46-year-old mother stood alone, without an attorney or an advisor. In the early stages of pregnancy with her 16th child, she might have been any other woman in 17th century New England. But despite her pious maternal appearance, she was considered by many on that dank November day to be an imminent danger to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, a witch, an instrument of Satan, a, and a heretic. 
and 40 male judges were poised to put her back in her place. And one of the other names that they called her, it's not written in that portion, is she was referred to as the American Jezebel. Okay, let's go on. So here's how it closes. Imagine for a moment how isolated and abandoned she must have felt when she was betrayed by some of her closest confidants, including her own friend and spiritual mentor. Imagine how crushed she was when she heard how he railed against her in his sermons. Imagine the fear and isolation she felt after she was banished from Massachusetts and excommunicated from her church. Yet even after she was publicly shamed, convicted of heresy, forced to flee her home and mocked in the midst of suffering and grief, she stayed steadfast in her faith and convictions, convinced that she had the right and the authority as a believer to communicate directly with God. Today, a bronze statue of her with her eyes lifted toward heaven, her arm encircling a young girl, stands in front of the Massachusetts State House in Boston. Courageous exponent of civil liberty and religious tolerance, reads the inscription on the marble pediment. A number of other memorials in Rhode Island and New York, as well as the Hutchinson River and Hutchinson River Parkway in New York, are named in her honor and testify to her legacy and contributions. Yet the most telling testimony of her legacy isn't inscribed on a memorial or echoed in the name of a busy highway or a meandering river. It's in the example of her steadfast conviction, her determination, and her unwavering faith in God. She sacrificed her own life for the right of religious freedom, a right most of us take for granted today. And I have to say, as I was reading this, uh, even as I reread it, it just it makes me so angry. It makes me angry to think that people, primarily men, but also women, are doing whatever they can to keep another person, a woman who believes she's heard from God, to teach with zeal and with passion with fervor and conviction, what she has come to know about the God who has saved her life, the God who has given her eternal life, and the God who sent his son to die for her. It really is amazing to me that people feel justified in telling another person whom they're just like, whom God had to save as well, that they can only do this much, or they can only go this far for the cause of Christ. There's something really wrong with that. I mean, just think about your own children, your sons and your daughters. If someone from the time they were born was telling them what they can't do, not what they can do, but what they can't do. Or imagine someone always saying good things to your son, telling him what he, how far he can go, what he can achieve, how awesome and wonderful he can be. And then that same person turn around and tell your daughter, well, you too can do great things, but only in this area. Never putting limitations on the boy, but putting limitations on the girl. Now, 
as you think about that, that would infuriate you. You would not be okay with that. But yet as we become adults and we can look at another person's child who is now fully grown and we tell them what they can't do or what they can't have. Think about how often we have been so enamored and so in awe of a child, boy or girl, doing or saying something that uplifts the Lord in church. Whether they're reciting a poem, singing a song, doing a dance, reciting a scripture. Think about how we feel in those moments, how excited we are and how hopeful we are and prayerful that they may continue that into their teen years and into their adult years, that they won't forget God and that they will stand for God. And then imagine if that child was the one to continue feeling that way, only to have someone tell them that they can't teach for the Lord. They can't speak in front of people and deliver a message that would cause people to want to turn their lives to the Lord. And you can't do it. Not that you're not skilled, educated, anointed, but simply because you are a woman. It's absolutely ridiculous to me. The thought of it is absolutely ridiculous. And it is absolutely contrary to everything Jesus showed us in the Bible. All we have to do is read it. If we read the Bible and not just take isolated scriptures to make our point, justify our point, and it's a point that's going to cause someone else to be oppressed. If we just allow the spirit of God and the love of God to lead us and guide us with the Holy Spirit in all truth, we would be uplifting everyone, wanting them to fulfill their role in the body of Christ. Because everything that we do is either for God or against God. There are really no neutral places. We may feel neutral about it, but everybody is doing something or saying something that's making other people think or feel a certain way about them. Have you ever thought about that? So in reading these stories this month, um, the real desire for me was to ignite something in you. It's definitely ignited something in me. It's fed my spirit more. It's given me that next level of fortitude. It's given me an additional grounding to go this next level, to take on whatever is coming next. And I want the same for you. I'm praying that same level of, an, of empowerment is happening for you. So when you look back at this story and you think about all that she sacrificed, because it tells us to imagine for a moment how isolated and abandoned she felt, is that enough to make you stop? Because the enemy is going to do whatever he can to make you stop. So would that do it, being isolated and abandoned? Or maybe betrayal, will that do it? Somebody that you trust, somebody that's close to you, someone that you've walked with for a long time, if they betray you, would that be enough to make you stop? Maybe if somebody lied on you, would that be enough to make you stop? Call you a name, just misunderstand you and your motives. 
Would that be enough to make you stop? I want to encourage you not to stop, no matter what. No matter what. Whatever it is that you believe God is calling you to do, surround yourself with people who will encourage you and pray for you and stand with you. And whatever may come, don't stop. There's so much to be gained by us taking our rightful place as women to show this world what it means to serve a loving God, to find ourselves in positions in the marketplace where we are confident and we are competent and people want to know what makes us that way or that we're so kind and giving yet strong and powerful. What makes us that way? And then we can share with them Jesus in whatever unique and creative way that God has given you to do it. And whatever platform that he has allowed you to possess, that all of it is for his glory. And that no matter what, you just won't stop. So I've been reading from the book entitled 50 Women Every Christian Should Know. And it's written by Michelle DeRussia. So if you've enjoyed the stories that I've been sharing, and I, I mean, there are so many more stories. I only gave you, what, four, five I encourage you to get the book and learn more about women throughout history who have done amazing, amazing things. Take the limits off. And that's what I want for you, that the limits are removed, that you're not subject to what man thinks, but only by what God has made available to you. If you found yourself in the past allowing what people say, to deter you from moving forward. Today is a new day. You can start fresh. You can make a new declaration today. And then you can surround yourself with those who can strengthen you and feed you, pray for you so that you grow stronger in that declaration. So that's it. I didn't want to talk long, um, but I did want to encourage you yet again which is what I will be doing until the Lord says otherwise, because we need you women. We need you. Your children need you. Your community needs you. Our nation needs you. The world needs you. And most importantly, God needs you. He brought you here for a purpose. And I want to see you fulfill that. So as always, remember that you are beautifully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. There are no limits to what you are capable of becoming, so don't accept any. It has truly been my pleasure to spend this time with you. And ladies, please, please take care of yourselves. If you have a topic you would like to hear discussed, please submit them at eveworeareyou.com. Or for church leaders in need of assistance in addressing these types of matters, please contact me by going to my website to submit a request for consultation. To stay connected, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Nicole Davis one and Instagram at Eve. Where are you now with that said, let's go be a positive force and lift up every woman everywhere. Thank you for listening.